This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. Free your mind. Sex worker, and yes, it does. And girls with little sense, I am beyond the victim. Sex worker, wench, thou makes her mind. Listen up close while I take it backwards. Oh, my biggest, the gal is in me, which I want. I'm not a proxy. Sex worker, but I can give you what you want. Sex worker, damn it. Get some. Tuned in to the Vixen Hour. Sex workers setting the record straight on Australia's first gay lesbian radio station, Joy 94.9. Red Umbrella Radio. Absolutely, you've tuned into the Vixen Hour here on Joy 94.9. The Vixen Hour is your weekly radio show that explores life issues and the world from a sex worker's perspective. This is your opportunity to challenge the stereotypes and prejudice that you may have about sex work and hear from the actual voices of sex workers ourselves. We are out loud and proud. This is the only community radio program in the world that is broadcasted to your radios and available online all the time. Turn it up. All discussions presented on Vixen Hour are made in the interests of community information and are not intended to induce any individual to seek employment in the sex industry. For more information in this area, we recommend individuals to get in contact with their local sex work organisation. The Vixen Hour. Everyone has an opinion about sex work. Make yours an informed one. Joy 94.9. If you would like to get in contact with the Vixen Hour at any point during the show, you can do so by sending us a text message on 0427 569 That's 0427 JOY949. Sending us an email at onair at joy.org.au or giving Fernando on the front desk a front, uh, phone call on 1300 JOY949. That's 1300 569 Also, if you would like to stay connected to us all throughout the week, you can do so by liking us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash sex worker radio if you wanted to send us a message through that way we would get it in the studio as well and for those of you who are twitter inclined and i am a i'm a lazy tweeter <laughs> so you know I, it is a bit unreliable but you can find us on twitter at vixen hour it'd be awesome to be socially connected to you hooray on tonight's show we do have a really fascinating awesome amazing show as always and tonight we're going to focus on slut shaming victim blaming and Phobia, and joining me in the studio, uh, as as she does every week, is the fabulous Anastasia. Hi, Anastasia. Hi, Christian. <laughs> How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. And we do have a special guest. Hi, Matt. G'day. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? I'm wonderful for a Monday evening. Thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. It's going to be an amazing show. We're going to focus on, well, what is whorephobia, slut shaming and victim blaming. We'll look at entrenched ways that those, um, I guess, things play out, as well as look at sort of casual, everyday um, whorephobia and how that has an impact on our lives. We'll also have a chat to the folks down at Slutwalk and talk about what went 
down over the weekend because that was awesome and I think we should focus on it. But to kick it all off, every time we do have a new sex worker in the studio, we do take the time to get to know them because, well, how often do you have the opportunity to get to know a sex worker? And Matt, this is your first time. It is my first time. <laughs> yes, yes. All jokes go here. Um, <laughs> well, um, how would you introduce yourself? I'm. My name is Matt. I'm a gender queer identifying person. I'm 29 years of age. I've been in the sex industry in a few places for a little while now, almost a decade, which is a bit scary. High five! Yay, that's amazing. Um, I'm also a student mm-hmm. at La Trobe University. Yeah, and. And I'm yeah, a writer and poet and blogger as well. So. For the listener who may not be very familiar with genderqueer, how would you describe it? Well, to me, genderqueer means that I am not necessarily identifying as you know, male or female. Mm-hmm. I use gender neutral pronouns and generally sort of don't identify expressly with you know male or female as far as gender goes. Uh-huh. Amazing. Yay. And uh, you did say you did do sex work. So how would you define sex work for yourself? Recognising that here at the Vixen Hour, whenever we do have a new sex worker in, we ask them how they define sex work for themselves because every sex worker kind of defines it a little bit differently. Well, to me, I've done a variety of things that you could consider sex work, Mm -hmm. from full service work uh, to stripping to private escorting, a variety of things. But all my definition of it is those sorts of things as a source of income, so as a Uh form of work. So, yeah, yeah, that's kind of what it means is for me. That's fantastic. So what has sex work come to mean in your life? It is definitely a way, it's definitely changed over time, but for me it is a source of sort of pride and independence and a way to negotiate and earn a living, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, was your understanding of what sex work was, was that like before you started to do sex work, was it different? Like- it was extremely different before. Um, like, I didn't really have a great deal of understanding of what sex work was before I started. Mm-hmm. It was something that I learned over time and that my reasons, as I found a lot of sex workers for starting sex work and my reasons for staying in the industry are quite different. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, um, definitely has changed. Yeah. And um, when I first started, I was very, I was not really sort of wanting to talk about being a sex worker, not very, I was very sort of in the closet, to use a term familiar at Joy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, didn't really sort of want any attention on that, but now it's almost the opposite as mm-hmm. time has gone past. Um, yeah, so I think it's really great. Yeah, and and for you, like, what what sort of turned the tide, if you like? What made you change your mind about uh, being in the closet or not? Well, I think unfortunately it was a quite a negative thing, but to me it was witnessing and experiencing stigma. Mm-hmm. It was seeing that what my peers were going through wasn't normal. It was actually quite harmful and dangerous, and actually wrong. And recognizing that as a wrong thing Mm -hmm. and actually wanting to do something about it and realising that the only way I could is through actually talking about being a sex worker and being, you know, out of the closet. Yeah. Um, So that's kind of what pushed me forward, I think. That's really 
incredible and I think that's um it's a really generous thing to mm. <laughs> what well, well, well to be out as a sex worker um, for me it was very much about giving and sharing mm. because mm. unless you did that and this is why we have the Vixen Hour mm. really is to create mm. the opportunity to share with people like information that they wouldn't normally ever Absolutely. get the chance to listen to or to, um, to learn so and I think you're right it's a very direct way of challenging stigma um, and it, it, it is, is sort of I don't like to c- characterise it in a negative sense but it is kind of like it's a small price that we pay yeah. to challenge stigma yeah. it is mm. it really is and it's not look I, I, I want to fully acknowledge that it's not an easy thing to do no it really isn't and I think to respect that it's not always possible or mm. desired and that it's so it's almost to me I, I, I feel very lucky to be in a position where I can do it and yeah. there's relatively little you know I'm, I'm not somebody who has children or anything like that so you know I can give very freely of myself but I realise that that's not everybody is yeah. not in that position so yeah. yeah oh look I want to say thank you for joining us here in the Vixen <laughs> Hour tonight <laughs> it's a pleasure yeah it's, I think it's going to be an awesome show because we are going to be talking about well a, a few subjects that are quite I guess challenging and complex that people may or may not have a um, strong understanding of but this is a really good opportunity to unpack a lot of those things so I'm really glad you're on board and I'm really glad Anastasia's here with me too Yay! Yay. Real happy You're on the Vixen Hour here on Joy 94.9 Connecting, representing, celebrating Joy 94.9 Uplifting, informing, empowering Joy 94.9 you are on the Vixen Hour here at Joy 94.9. If at any point you would like to interact with the program, you can do so by sending us a text message on 0427 569 You are with Christian and I'm joined by the fabulous Matt and the amazing Anastasia. <laughs> now, we all went down to Slut Walk yes, we this did. weekend. <laughs> um, and for people who aren't aware of Slut Walk, it's a annual event that challenges victim blaming and slut shaming and so I thought tonight would be a really good opportunity to talk about those topics. Um, we're going to play a little bit of a Vox Pop now. We did make our way down there and we asked people, well, why did they come to Slut Walk? Here's what they had to say. Slut Walk Melbourne welcomes you, whoever you are, to the global movement against victim blaming and slut shaming. I'm here today to make the statement that women aren't asking for it based on what they wear and yeah, to stop slut shaming. I am absolutely sick and tired of the victim blame that my, I've incurred as a sex worker and that other sex workers incur on a day-to-day basis. I'm actually a bit shocked that I have to be here today that people actually still think it's acceptable to blame somebody based on their clothes or looks for a crime that somebody else commits against someone. It just seems a bit ridiculous, but I'm here because people still do it. My mother was raped when she was 18 and no one gave a shit because she was on drugs. She never told anyone until a couple of years ago. She's 50. Most men will never hurt women. But those who do will do it over and over again and as a society we make excuses for them. Um, I want to see things change in our society towards the values that we place on women and the interactions we have between genders. I think it's really important that we step back from the ways that we've grown up with and that society tells us is acceptable and reevaluate how we interact with each other, how we treat each other and make sure it's full of respect and dignity and positive interactions. Because I've 
had enough. I've absolutely had enough of anything that puts the blame on anything else but the rapist. This sh- we shouldn't have to be here today, but I'm so fucking happy that we are. And I couldn't be happier to be here with this crowd. Um, I'm at Slap Walk today because I think that everybody should be protected from rape, not just the people that we approve of and the people whose dress and sexuality makes us feel comfortable. As a disabled woman, according to the I was here today to listen to Hannah, who's my daughter, but I'm also here to support the cause, work with a lot of young people who have been victims, and yeah, got to get out there, got to be said, got to be stopped. Even though it's 2013, as a transsexual woman, I find that I'm still fighting, not just misogyny, but trans misogyny as well. I just want the right to be me and dress how I dress, you know, and, and not have people judging me. I'm at Slutwalk to try and get rid of victim blaming. I'm here because men have to stand up. Straight men, gay men, all men have to stand up because most of them are the perpetrators. So until men say no, it'll be okay. I'm here to show that no matter what a person does, no matter what they wear, they are not asking to be raped. Um, I'm from CASA in Geelong. So CASA stands for the Centre Against Sexual Assault and we're here to support the people that we work with because it's very important that we do that. I'm at Slut Walk to help end victim blaming and slut shaming. So next time Women need to be more careful. What was she wearing? What was she thinking? What did she expect? You tell them. The only thing that causes rape is rapists. So that was a little bit of what went down at Slut Walk uh, on Saturday. Did you guys have a good time over there? We I, did. Yeah, I had a fantastic time. I mm. really enjoyed listening to the speakers. They had some they had some excellent speakers. They did have some amazing speakers. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and, and I, lo- I loved how, like, Karen Pickering, who organises Slut Walk, who you can hear every Friday on Katie's Cut Lunch. She, they do a little segment called Feminist About Town, and Slut Walk is somewhat of her background. Baby. And you can hear Matt giggling in the corner because <laughs> they were one of the speakers. I was actually a speaker, yes. That is why I giggled. Um, <laughs> yeah, just declaring my bias on that one. So, yes, the speakers were awesome. <laughs> no, but I said it, so it's okay. Yeah, sorry. But but I think like what, what Karen did was, like, not only did she, she made it a very, and she did say right at the start that it was a very sex-positive space, sex-worker-positive space, very explicitly saying that, but also very welcoming of a whole range of diversity of um, particularly like marginalised communities who do feel things like slut shaming and victim blaming and whorephobia rather acutely. So we had like Stella Young who's an amazing disability advocate as well as Nakia Louie oh god I hope I got that right (laughs) who's an amazing um, indigenous comedian and yeah there was just an amazing array of diversity there who was really I guess engaging and involving and I thought it was a really um positive and well-organized rally. What do you guys think? Yeah, really, it was really great to be a part of. I've just personally, I've never really talked about some of those things in any great detail before. So just the fact that I think that it was, that that kind of rally happened, Mm -hmm. you know, and that it is actually that space was given so freely and so generously to, yeah, as Christians, that a really wide variety of people. But it also shows, I think to me, 
as well. The level to which victim blame is incredibly, and we're going to talk about this later as well, but the way in which victim blame is so incredibly pervasive mm. and the ways in which people from a huge array of communities are, are resisting and pushing back. So, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. It's really awesome. Well, I think now would be a really good opportunity to have a look at, well, what, what are some of those terms? Just because um, the listener may not be familiar with them or maybe they have some ideas. Text them in on 0427 569 But bringing it back to basics... It'd be really great to unpack some of the ideas around slut-shaming to start with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Christian... What are your thoughts? Slut shaming. What does it mean? Yeah, it's um, look. There's, I think it's a, there's a whole range of activities that are associated to slut shaming. But I think, in essence, it's about being very sex negative to somebody who is um, who may or may not be sexually expressive. So, if, if I think the classic example is when women dress in a particular way that people don't consider acceptable or socially decent, or you know. Then people start making um, judgments. Like they'll say that, oh, what a skank, or they look nasty, or whatever. So it's it's those judgments that people make about people who may or not, may not be um, sexually expressive. I actually have a problem with the fact that people judge you for mm. how much sex you have. Yeah. Mm. I think that's mm. a big problem right there. Mm. Um, I'd really, in fact, what I'd like to do now is unpack the word slut a little bit. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, um, slut is a word that came from Middle English and in about oh, the fourteen, about the middle of the 1400s was a word that meant dirty or slovenly. Mm-hmm. In fact, when it first was used, it meant a slovenly man. Yep. But it very quickly came to mean a milkmaid who was also a sex worker. Yeah, I think that's interesting. So it, it started off, it was, it was never really a gender neutral term, was it? It, was, it never was, no. Yeah. So it was sort of specifically for men and then evolved. And and then it evolved very quickly into being for women mm-hmm. and then slut and slattern were, yeah. u- were words that were used. And my goodness, what an awful thing to say about someone. Mm. But for the time, if you think about it, back then when we didn't have safer sex mm-hmm. like we do now, incidents of STIs, yep. much higher. You wonder if that has anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. The other side of it is just promiscuity. Now, do either of you want to speak to the word promiscuity? Because <laughs> I can. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one, intelligence. Yeah. isn't it? I, I, it's a very, I, I think it's a very old school word. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, yeah. But you know what it means? It doesn't just mean having casual sex. Mm. It actually means being indiscriminate about who you have sex with. It's really, really judgment-laden. Yeah. And think about how that word has been used to apply to sex workers as if we would just, yeah, and to, often to shame sex workers as well. Mm. And, and to shame women, because there's, oh, the, yeah. the, the, there's it's, it sounds like there is this, like, I don't know, to be able to make that judgment and to make it accurately, mm. you actually have to be psychic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. it's saying that, you know, like you're looking from the outside in, on well, looking to another person and saying, oh, you're actually not thinking about what you're doing. And in, in a way, you can see how there's this immediate assumption, particularly when you're thinking about women, that this is somebody who isn't making making choices or who isn't yeah. thinking in a um, in a way that other people would w- would determine as agency. It's, exactly, it's, yes. It's really it, interesting. It just takes away the agents. It, it, they try and take away your agency. Hmm. Exactly. And it's also been, hist- I just 
sort of had this thought as you were discussing that it's also been used to pathologize women so mm. um you know promiscuity has been a way of determining i don't know how you can do this but it has been done determining someone's mental illness you know they're they're you know they're promiscuous um and it's actually been a symptom of a lot of mental mental yeah. health diagnoses oh, oh, sad yes oh, they're lonely <laughs> and yeah. it's, it's predicting particularly women's behavior and it's just as Chris Christian said, nobody's psychic. It's a very poor predictor. Mm. It really is. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. I I kind of like the more modern and radical take on the word slut, and that is somebody who enjoys sex and who thinks it's good for you. Like, and I think that's, you know, taking away sort of all those sex negative ideas, because I think Mm. that's what you have to Mm. do to be able to look at a word objectively. And I think that's why movements like Slut Walk have come about, because they're it's a, it's an exercise of reclaiming. You yes, know. it's a way of embracing mm-hmm. a word, giving it new meaning. Yeah. And the the idea of for I don't know if you guys know how Slut Walk came about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yep. For people who may not have heard the story, yeah. It, uh, the reason why Slut Walk and the idea of victim blame came about was because a sexual assault victim went to police in Toronto to report the crime against her, and she was told by a Toronto uh, police officer, "If you didn't want to get raped, you wouldn't dress like a slut." So. Mm. That's not only is it just reclaiming that word, it's also reclaiming the set, the incredibly negative ideas that go along with that word as well. Mm. And I think that's really because a lot of people sort of they focus on the word and not the ideas of the the movement behind it. Yeah. I think that's really, really, really important. Cause yeah, and I think that, that that's certainly the case. And it is it is a very specific form of misogyny mm. is mm. saying to and it, particularly women who have been victims of sexual assault or rape that for some reason they're to blame for the crime that was Mm. inflicted upon them yeah and it's like and there's that classic sort of um, line that happens at slut walk or at similar demonstrations around why do we teach our girls don't get raped when we should be teaching our boys to not rape Mm. i think that you can't really go past that (laughs) it's it's so simple but yet so really not done Mm. at all and you know i think this slut shaming has a very has, has occurred in the GLBTI community in a very mm. unique way mm. um, and that's around HIV mm. and and what I would term like or some people have termed posphobia like you know if somebody becomes HIV positive that it is their fault um, or that they you know they're held up to blame for their infection Does a lot of that come from religious backgrounds? Mm. I just get the feeling that that's where a lot of that where well where a lot of sex negative ideas come from Hmm. but where a lot of you know you you did this whatever it was that was immoral therefore against religion therefore you got this thing and I think certainly uh, yes I agree with you in that a a big part of it does come from religion but I think the bigger space that it comes from is a place of fear Mm. so I think particularly because the health promotions messages around HIV have been very fear based traditionally um, that's very true like you know Grim Reaper all of that kind of stuff that sort of fear has turned into um, a hate 
hate or in anger and then that is directed to someone a scapegoat HIV positive people mm. and, and if, if you're talking about like in a religious sense about you know all the ills that um, happen around um, in society a, a way for, to disempower women because women weren't very empowered for very big long periods of history a way of disempowering them is targeting that he, that that fear and that hate towards them mm. and I think slut shaming was a very um, absolutely particular way of doing that well just any form of, of sexual display by women was you know they were seen as um, you know in need of control mm. um, and you, you you only need to look at you know the sort of movement of the hysterical movement you know where any kind of display of emotion whether it be sexual or otherwise by mm-hmm. women was very very heavily demonized so, yeah. yeah oh absolutely mm. we could go on about this oh all we, night. Could. we absolutely <laughs> could but I think look sex workers experience slut shaming victim blaming and a whole bunch of other sort of forms of bigotry judgment and disempowerment in a particular way and we call it whorephobia when we come back we're going to talk about well what do what do those terms mean and how do they sort of affect us in our lives you're listening to the vixen hour here on joy 94.9 you're listening to the vixen hour on joy 94.9 you're on the vixen hour here on joy 94.9 you're with christian and anastasia and matt and we are talking all about slut-shaming, victim-blaming and whorephobia. And now we're going to be focusing on whorephobia. Mm-hmm. We are. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> boy, don't we just want to get our teeth into this one? Uh, it's such a huge it's, topic. It really is a huge topic. And I think slut-shaming and victim-blaming are certainly a part of it, but I think there's a bigger picture as well because when you talk about sort of fear and control and mm-hmm. turning that into hate and anger and all of those kind of things, I think sex workers experience that on a massive scale (laughs) in lots of different ways. You know what, Christian, control's a great word and that actually leads into a bit of discussion about the laws Mm -hmm. that surround sex work Mm -hmm. and laws that are whorephobic. Yeah. Um, Should we start off by defining, well, what is whorephobia? Yeah, let's do that first. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So I think think the GLBTI community has a little bit of an understanding of what homophobia doesn't have a little bit, has a quite comprehensive understanding of what homophobia is. You know, that's when we um, sort of judge people or have, you know, we stigmatise and discriminate against the GLBTI community and we call those instances, you know, that's homophobia. And it's that sort of mentality that somehow LGBTIQ people are different to everybody else. So if you're um, if you're being othered, we can make a whole bunch of judgments against that that community group. We can judge them as less. And that's what I think um, homophobia is in a nutshell. What do you guys think? Mm, Adam, I, I agree. It's just that sort of, that situating of whoever it is, you know, sex workers, queer people, as just as that, you know, as that other. And that there are laws and there are rules in society and there are viewpoints that further that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. It puts you out there as being something that other people see as abnormal mm. or unethical mm. or just, I mean, just wrong mm. yeah. is, is what... 
gets in people's minds. Yeah. And I mean, that can happen in in very casual ways. So things like homophobic jokes or insults or saying that's so gay in school, I think, which is sort of, there's a, there's a bit more of an awareness of now and we're starting to reduce. But it can also happen in very entrenched ways. So, for example, the fact that only men and women can get married, some mm. would consider an in, entrenched example of homophobia. Quite, yeah. In Victoria, some of the laws around around sex work are quite whorephobic. Yeah. What in- we now call the Sex Work Act mm-hmm. um, of 1994 used to be called the Prostitution Control Act. Yeah. There and even, even that word, and we've spoken about it at length on our show, prostitution versus sex work, yeah. even that word is quite whorephobic um, in some of the, I guess, in some of the semantics that have come to be connected to it. So the idea is that it's not work um, mm. is linked to the P word. <laughs> we've said it. Yeah. Um, I mean, something that I've said to people mm-hmm. is, look, prostitution mm-hmm. has all sorts of derogatory connotations. Mm. If you'd like to insult me, go right ahead and use that word and I'll know that you're insulting me. Yeah. If you'd like to be my ally and you'd like to be on my side, say I'm a sex worker. Yeah. And it's a really clear way of for people to show that they respect sex workers. Yes. Yeah. Is uh, is actually using the terms that we prefer? Yeah. Yes. Mm. Yeah. It's it's pretty much the most basic but most well to me anyway, the most profound way you can show respect because it means that you're actually listening. Somebody has said, this is how I would like to be addressed and you're doing that. That's respect, you know, nothing else. Yeah, it's interesting. Whenever I'm sort of web searching something like or researching something, if I want something to come from a sex worker positive space, then you just have to look up the word sex worker. Mm. Whereas mm. if you mm-hmm. w- w- want it to come from a space of either ignorance or homophobic space, um, you just type in the word prostitute. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and in particular, um, the term prostitute women where oh, it's not even it's not even a person anymore it's 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 something that is happening to somebody else like that, that that's when you can sort of that's how you sort of find those whorephobic references but whorephobia just like we were talking before homophobia can be entrenched in laws and policy whorephobia can be entrenched in laws and policy too and i think just as we've sort of defined homophobia as a way of thinking that you know lgbtiq people are other or less than mm-hmm. um, everyone else. I think whorephobia is sort of based on the same idea that sex workers are different to everybody else. Mm. Very much so. Absolutely. Different and not as not as good as. Mm. But, you know, diversity is great. Hooray for diversity. Hooray. <laughs> and I think that's why diversity, the idea of embracing diversity is a challenge to things like whorephobia or homophobia because it's saying, actually, everybody's different, but we're all equal. Mm. But we're all okay. Exactly. Yeah. We're all different and that is fine. <laughs> so what are some of the other ways whorephobia has entrenched itself? So some of the things that we were talking about earlier on were talking about mandatory testing. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, people who much. aren't sex workers may not know, but in Victoria, sex workers are required to have 
um, STI testing done every three months at this time. Used to be every month at the start of the year. It's just become, it's just gone on to being every three months. And that's a work work requirement. That's something that happens on an ongoing basis if you wish to remain employed. You know, and (laughs) I think one of the things that I was saying earlier also is that it's actually not, it's not okay. You Mm -hmm. may, it's incredibly agency removing for reasons I think you can both go into as well. Mm. Um, Well, it's a highly invasive process, isn't it? Like, you know, STI testing, like, you know, I mean, I think there's been a lot of work to try to enable communities to go for STI testing. But, you know, it wasn't long ago, like I'm talking less than 12 months, Mm -hmm. um, when sex workers had to go every month to get swabbed. And it's like, really? Yeah. (laughs) You know, I I haven't had a condom break. I haven't engaged in um, at-risk sexual activities, you know, all of those things. It's like, why do I need to do this every month? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And there'll be some months that I don't do sex work and I still have to keep up that regime in order to to get those certificates to keep working. It has, thankfully, been reduced to three monthly, but I think it's still not an ideal situation. Um, It certainly isn't. Um, Not only does it reduce our agency for those people who are concerned with it, Mm. um, it's very expensive. And it's an expense that's completely unwarranted. Mm. There is no evidence to suggest that this is necessary. In fact, there's a lot of evidence to the contrary. Um, Sex workers have an incredibly low rate of STIs compared to the non-sex work population. And it just doesn't work for any other occupation. You know, when nurses, doctors, phlebotomists, people who have much more of an exposure to bodily fluids, they're not tested or not required to be tested unless they're exposed or think they were exposed. And it also, um, it, it, it sort of, it conflates a couple of roles that health professionals play. So for everybody, your health professional is there for your health. But if you give them the role of having to regulate the mandatory testing regime, as they do here in Victoria, it means that, you know, if I don't have my doctor's approval, I can't earn money. Yeah. And so it sets up a, a bit of an adversarial relationship between sex workers and health professionals. Well, and it, that's not a healthy thing no, at all. No, Absolutely it's not. not. Well, it can do that. The other thing that can happen is that if you're having trouble finding someone to do that testing for you, you can get funneled into a service mm. where it may become apparent to other people that you're a sex worker. It may out you as a sex worker when you didn't want to be outed. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's obviously hugely problematic. Mm. Yeah. And look, mandatory testing Testing certainly is one of those huge examples of entrenched whorephobia. I think another one that comes to my mind when I think of it is um, is the registration of sex workers. Yeah. And a lot of people think, oh, yeah, but, you know, you have to register for other jobs. But for me, it's, it's a very different issue for sex workers because other jobs don't experience the same level of stigma that yeah. we do. Absolutely. I mean, no one's going to go, oh, no, you've been outed as an accountant. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe that is a problem. <laughs> yeah, or you've, you know, you've been you've been um, outed as a dentist. I mean, really, like what? Yeah, they just don't. They you don't just... experience the same sort of stigma we yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, and I and I mean, like there are there are women who fight out custody battles where their sex work status becomes an issue. Mm. You know, there's a whole range of things that happen to sex workers where it's not safe to be out. So yeah. I think registration is a way of outing yourself to the government, and it does create a permanent record that you have been a sex worker and I mean I mean look I'm happy to claim sex work as part of my identity I'm very proud of 
it and I know a few people in this room are too but that doesn't apply to everybody and it comes back to us having control over Mm -hmm. what we put out there and how we do it as well rather than being forced to because yeah and you know I value my agency as a human being and I value the agency of other people but these kind of laws deliberately take that away and it's it's not okay. Mm. You know, there are other ways that sort of whorephobia happens in a very entrenched way. And one of those examples is our interaction with services or agencies. Mm. So I think a really clear example is the police Mm. and how even though a sex worker may not be doing anything illegal, when something like a sexual assault happens or a rape happens, and it may have happened in, you know, that person's work, workspace um, sex workers aren't necessarily 100% jumping at the idea of reporting crimes to the police straight away. Oddly enough. <laughs> and I think that's that's another example of entrenched whorephobia. Mm, and, and victim blame as well. It's, I think we're not made to feel safe by the police and we're often blamed really, really strongly for the crimes that we've um, had against us because of the fact that we're sex workers. Mm. And it's then wondered, well, why they're not? Why are you not coming forward? Well, <laughs> you don't make it easy. Yeah. And you know what? That stigma and that prejudice, while it might not happen in an entrenched way, like discrimination happens in an entrenched way. I think that's what um, entrenched bigotry is, is discrimination. But prejudice and stigma, they're, I think, a bit less tangible, if you like. Mm. And I think they happen mm. in sort of people's consciousness, in people's words, in people's language, in the way that they interact with you and that's what I call sort of casual whorephobia we've got to go to some messages now but when we come back we're going to have a look at casual whorephobia and how it's had an impact on our lives you're listening to the Vixen Hour here on Joy 94.9 I'm Dr Brooke Mignanti, formerly known as Belle du Jour and you're listening to the Vixen Hour on Joy 94.9 Joy 94.9 You are listening to The Vixen Hour here on Joy 94.9. You're with Christian and I'm joined by the amazing Matt. Hi, Matt. Hi. And the fabulous Anastasia. Hi, Christian. (laughs) We are talking about slut-shaming, victim-blaming and whorephobia. We were talking about examples of entrenched whorephobia or, as I like to call it, discrimination against sex workers. That's what I think entrenched whorephobia is. I think what's more pervasive, though, and what's more common and what we're, I guess, more likely to encounter as sex workers is... Is casual whorephobia <laughs> and that's sort of the the prejudice and stereotypes and misconceptions around sex work that we sort of that just get dropped casually so it might be things like insults or um, language or portrayals in the media there's all sorts of um, examples of casual whorephobia I guess the other thing about casual whorephobia is that it's a sort of thing that many many more people engage in whether mm-hmm. they really think about it or not yeah, mm. I agree. Whereas entrenched whorephobia is sort of, you know, it's in law and discrimination and work, you know, all that sort of thing. Yeah. But this is for everyone. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's even in the way that you, I think the way that you insult people is a really telling example yes. of that. So the LGBTI community, of course, is very aware of this because, you know, be you know calling someone gay or a faggot or whatever used to be, that's a really clear example of homophobia. Whereas if you call someone like a skank or a hoe or a whore, 
they're examples of whore phobia. Mm. They really are. And um, that sort of joke is what, uh, in, in, our, in my household at home, we talk about inclusive and exclusive jokes. Mm-hmm. So jokes that include people and jokes that exclude people and all the sex worker jokes I know exclude us. Mm. We are on the other side of the joke. Yeah, and I think that's really unfortunate because it means that, um, you know, it, it, it reinforces this idea that not everybody is safe and that, you know, you're actually everybody that you can engage with has the potential of having a negative emotional impact on you. Mm. And I've certainly experienced that. Yeah, me too. Mm. I definitely have experienced that. And it is far more pervasive. And I think really as a result of that, it's far more difficult to challenge. Um, like I know I've been in situations where if I want to challenge this joke, I have had to out myself. And it's really, that's not something I want to do all the time. Oh, I learned a new thing during the week, which is if someone tells a joke that's homophobic, racist, mm. homophobic, whatever, you just look at them and say, why is that funny? Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and watching them try and unpack the joke and say, oh, oh it's because of this. They have a lot of trouble standing up, you know, standing up for their joke. And we talked pre- um, previously about, you know, how much courage it takes to be out. Mm. But, you know, it also takes an immense amount of courage to challenge whorephobia because if somebody tells a whorephobic joke or uses a slur in a particular way, it's it's easier to just go along with it mm. and just ignore it. It's mm. actually a lot harder to actually stop and go, hey, that's I'm not cool with that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Agreed. And, and I think that's, um, it, it, it's really hard. And I think that's when um, we have to actually rely a lot on allies. Yep. And certainly I think one of the, cl- like, <laughs> I keep going back to this example because I think it did have a profound emotional effect on me at the time. But like seeing Tom Ma talk mm. about sex work yeah. on, on the ABC on the 7.30 report yeah. was an incredibly empowering moment because it was kind of like, oh, it's not me who's having to stop and go, I'm not cool with that anymore. It's, yeah, and it's coming from someone who, you know, has absolutely, he didn't have to say that at mm. all. And he he absolutely, I think that's allyship 101 right there. Like, you know, I, I too teared up when I heard him say that because he... he he didn't have to say those things and yet he went out and in his own dealing with his own grief as well he still found the time to say those things and yeah it was it was yeah it was really emotional I think <laughs> I'm gonna cry um, no I'm no, not. no. <laughs> and, and I think that's why events like Slut Walk were really important because like you know people were getting up on that stage and saying next time you hear a you know a slut shaming joke you kind of go I'm not cool with that or that's not funny or you know and it's about empowering and teaching people to do that and I think that's a challenge because a lot of the time we spend a lot of time justifying it to those people like Mm. saying why it's important and you know why it matters to actually stand up for us like you know and I think we talked about previously on a on a a recent show about being an ally and why it's important and examples around how stigma can kill and and that's why we need to stand up to whorephobia awesome (laughs) do you think the media has a role in sort of perpetuating casual whorephobia oh yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah it's it's a huge driver of it massive mm-hmm. oh god <laughs> oh god where to start i really don't know but just through when a sex worker has experienced violence 
the media, there's a lot of tendency in the media to reduce that person down to being a sex worker whilst yeah. forgetting that they were a lot more, you know, not only a victim of a crime, mm-hmm. but a human being yeah. as well. And yeah. we saw that, unfortunately, with the death of Tracy Connolly, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, she was not seen as a human being. She was seen as just a sex worker. And that's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. And I think... Um I think the clearest example of that sort of pervasive casual whorephobia is saying that, oh, a a murdered St Kilda sex worker, as if it is an explanation of what happened. Yes. Like, you know, so this horrible thing happened, but the person was a sex worker, so the two things are obviously connected. That's Mm. why we're saying it. Where it's like, well, hang on, if, like, a merchant banker got murdered, (laughs) unless it was, like, in a bank or, like, for a lot of money, like, it wouldn't come into it or, you know... And that's why it's discriminatory. Mm -hmm. That's why it's whorephobic. You know, because if you tried to flip it around on another occupation, it would sound patently absurd. And it it applies into that idea again of like of victim blaming, Mm. um, that it was, you know, partially the person's fault. And I think we've um, like, again, as someone who's in the LGBTIQ community, we do sort of hear an equivalent in in that way as well. Like, you know, man walks through um, a park um, and gets bashed is different to gay man walks through a dark park where gay men frequent for you know for casual sex um gets beaten up it's almost it's it's kind of the same thing mm, definitely mm, like this whole justifying of gay bashing <laughs> you are on the vixen hour here on joy 94.9 a voice for sex workers the vixen hour Enjoy 94.9. You have been listening to the Vixen Hour. It is three minutes to ten. How unfortunate. Oh, it's the end of the show. Who oh, knows? Okay. Thank you for joining me, Matt and Anastasia. We did get a text message. As a straight male, I think labelling women as sluts only shoots yourself in the foot. I have a lot of sex and no other men, but, but then label women who do the same thing as sluts. If nothing else, this surely reduce the amount of women who sleep around, which I don't know if I necessarily agree with. I don't think calling women sluts controls the number of sluts that are out there. I just think by, by labelling them that way or shaming them in that way, you're just making a whole bunch of people people feel bad unnecessarily. What do you guys think? I mm-hmm. think that it makes people feel unsafe about disclosing that sort of thing too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And we're not about making fe- people feel unsafe, but you know, some people might have other ideas around that. No, I'm in agreement, really. <laughs> it's it's not about labelling people. It's, it's about lifting them up as well, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. If you would like to stay connected to the Vixen Hour all throughout the week, you can do so by liking us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash sexworkerradio. We'll see you next week at 9pm. Good night. (laughs) See ya. Thank you for listening to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.